Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Steve, and you are listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, training, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing podcast. Podcast! I left out playing. Oh, well, uh, we'll put it in next time. This episode is brought to you by Nice String Guitars. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter at NYGuitars, and please visit their website, www.nyguitars.co, not .com. <laughs> We will have one of their new models to demo here soon. They're in the process of redesigning some of the classic models you all are familiar with, and we will be one of the first to review all the fine stuff they're doing. They manufacture all their own parts and have some really cool, innovative designs they're excited for us to play. We did it, Steve. We We read our our first sponsorship. Our first ad. Our first first paid ad. Sweet. Thanks for the sponsorship, Nystrom Guitars. Yeah. We're super thankful. We're excited about this new road we're going down. Yeah, uh, check them out online. Like the ad, like the what we just read says. Nyguitars.co. They have some really pretty stuff. Sounds like they're going to be sending us something really cool to play with. Yeah, Nystrom is one of those brands that like I'm not as familiar with as some of the other custom shop uh-huh. uh, high end guitar builders. But they're one of the ones that like people who own them are fiercely loyal. Yeah. I mean they look they look really sharp. Yeah. I mean they're kind of doing the the custom take on your classic fender design sort of thing, but with like a lot of twists. Right. I'm really looking forward to whatever this new line is. Yeah. And I'm really stoked that we're gonna be some of the first people to try it out. Oh, totally. You know, we're gonna get big heads about that. Just, oh yeah, you know, just, <laughs> I already do. Yeah, I already got play, already played with that, you know. You know, no big deal. They sent us, you know, like one of the first ones, whatever. Yeah. You know, no big yeah, deal. No big deal. Yeah. Something that's really cool, I was looking at their website and they do uh, this uh, capacitor switching out mod on on their guitars where if you open up the control plate, you don't have to unsolder the capacitor to swap it out. So you could experiment with all kinds of different capacitors with that's, your guitar. That's really cool. Is yeah. it just like a. Um, it's like a little. Uh, plastic piece that has like a screw in it and you can clamp down on a new capacitor oh, okay so you can swap them out real right. easy right that's, that's cool neat. right it is cool so what are we drinking today steve uh i stopped at the local liquor store oh you did yeah i was gonna go to vaughn's and then i was like that's far it was like an extra three yeah. blocks the liquor store is better anyways um and i picked up uh sierra nevada's bigfoot ale mm-hmm. which is a barley wine inspired ale it's strong it's not a full-on barley wine it's not as sweet um I had I, I want to say it was Green Flash's barley wine before, and that one is really sweet. It's not quite right. quite as bitter, uh, and it's definitely like a lot more dangerous because I want to say that I think it's Green Flash's is like a twelve or thirteen percent, yeah. and it tastes like candy. I mean, this is pretty strong. It's like a nine point six or something. Yeah, I'm feeling it already. I haven't had dinner yet, so... Oh, me neither. This is going to go straight to my head. Second episode tonight is going to be real interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, tune in next week, guys. It's going to be a <laughs> yeah, lot of fun. Don't even listen to the rest of this. <laughs> Just turn this one off. Wait till next week. Listen to that one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, do we want to get into some ads? I thought we were going to talk about something new. No, we're going to talk about... Oh, is that what we're doing for the new one? Oh, I don't know. Because last time we did that after ads. All right, let's do it after ads. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah, let's do it after ads. Ads are our warm-up, man. Ads are the warm-up. Yeah, that's how we get our juices flowing. All right, we got this ad. Who sent us this? uh, Jim. Jim 
Jim. You're talking about the 1964 Stratocaster, right? I am talking about a 1964 Stratocaster. Yeah, it's uh, Lake Blue or Pelham Lake yeah. Blue or something like that. I don't know. Isn't it Lake Pl- Lake Placid? Placid it Blue? says it's Lake Placid Blue, but it doesn't look like Lake Placid Blue. But if it's a 64, it would have faded. So yeah, that's the why paint it looks look- way too fresh to be in 1964. And this thing's got some modifications. And they're asking $20,000 for this on Reverb, down from asking $25,000. Do you know what the normal going price is for a 1964 Stratocaster? Well, since I screen grabbed Reverb's page, you can see right there that they say the estimated use value is 15000 to 20000 Oh. I'd imagine the top end would be for one that is cherry. Wouldn't you imagine that? Yeah. For one that is uh, in... In uh, much better condition than this, or much more stock condition than this? I would agree, but were those guitars refretted by Dan Erlewine, John Connery, and Stuart Mack? <laughs> How many refrets are we talking about here? Did those guys like each do a fret? Like, you do this one, I'll do the next one, and I'll do the next one? So not only does this have this extra weird humbucker in the middle position... Yeah, that's that's something I would do on a, like a Mexican Strat. But the tuners were replaced with shallower keys. It sounds like all of the pickups were. Oh yeah, you can tell they're all replaced. It does include extra pickups, whatever that means. <laughs> oh uh, good, what a value! Original case. For what it's worth, Dan Erlewine wrote the book on like guitar repair. Oh, did he? Like he is the man. Like he's he's the. I don't know. Like, he's the Alan Turing of guitar repair. I only thought about that okay. because of the imitation game. Um, he's 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 the Steve Jobs of guitar repair. Like, he's... He's an innovator. Know, he's an innovator. He's the guy who, like, he, he's a, he set the he, standard. He wears a turtleneck. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> uh, what if he does and you just dissed his style? What if he does and he listens to this podcast? I'd, that'd be great if he listened. That'd be rad. Yeah. I hope you're listening. Uh, so yeah, is he even alive? I don't know. If you're th- if you're thinking about buying a legit 1964 Strat, what are you? What are the qualities you're thinking you'd like to see in it? I want it to be original. You want it to be original. You want the pickups. You want those freaking pickups. Yeah, for sure. You want the knobs that were on there. You don't want d- chrome dome knobs. You don't want tuners that are modern. You want the original tuners. Yeah, it's. It's really you weird. Do- it's an upgrade set. I mean, I understand the and refret. That's like not something that affects the value of anything usually as long as it's done correctly. Because, let's face it, guitars get played, and eventually they need a refret if they get played consistently. Right. Uh, but all this other stuff, he's done nothing but devalue this guitar by taking parts out of it and replacing them. Um, and then the humbucker in the middle position is just super funky. Yeah, that's that's like, uh, I mean, you know, you guys who have listened to this a lot, you know, we're all about modding the crap out of your stuff. Oh, all day but long. We're also big time on, like, if you've modded something, at best... You're going to break even. You're going to break even. Yeah. Maybe, like, you might... You know, you're not going to break even on the... on. It's not... Oh, I've got a three hundred dollar used Strat, and I dropped two hundred dollar pickups in it. It's now a five hundred dollar Strat. Like right. At, at best, it's like four hundred, three seventy five. Right. It, it, normally, you you lose value in your upgrades when you sell that guitar. Yeah. Um. 
And these upgrades aren't even upgrades that people want. No, no one wants this. I mean, they might, but they're not going to do it on a 1964 Strat. Yeah, the, you know, the whole humbucker in the middle position thing is actually really interesting to me. Yeah. I feel like that's something I should try just because, like, I've always found the middle position on a Strat to be kind of useless anyway. Sure. Um, I mean, it's going to be a great big growly sound right there. Yeah. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Uh, I would definitely do a middle humbucker on a guitar. I'm surprised I haven't yet. Yeah, why haven't you, dude? Get on I, that. <laughs> so sorry. I am um, offended. Yeah, I have no idea what this guy's smoking. This ad was sent to us a long time Jeez. ago by Jim, and it's still up on Reverb. The guy's not budged on his price. Maximum you would pay for this if you were thinking about buying this. Uh, I'm looking at prices right now. I'm seeing on eBay six grand for a sixty-four. Which that seems a little on the low is side. Is it in uh, what kind of condition is it in? It's in regular condition. That's really, not, I wouldn't pay six k for this. Oh, here's one that's probably a little more realistic. It's uh, twelve thousand eight hundred and seventy-seven dollars. Um, you know, I pro- I don't know. I'd probably be close to ten k on this thing. You think you'd go ten k on this? I'm never going to be in the market for this thing. I'm just saying what I would pay for this in its condition if I was in the market for it. The only way I would go 10K on this is if I already had a beat on um, the pickup, some like original hardware and whatever. Like I was in a position to restore this if I was a collector. From a playing perspective, I would not pay more than. I don't think I'd pay more than four thousand dollars. Wow, for this. it's a big ding against it, huh? This the stuff that makes this a strat is gone. Yeah, the stuff that makes this a vintage strat is gone. Like I said, like it's just a neck and a body at this point, right? And if you're gonna hunt down like a loaded pit guard for this kind of thing, like you're looking at five hundred to a thousand dollars probably. Yeah, oh, totally. To get the original stuff, just to get original pit guard and and pickups, and to get those those tuners and the original screws. I don't even know if you could. I mean, I'm sure somebody has yeah. the tuners. Oh, someone, but someone has all this stuff out there. Obviously, someone has them because he took them off of his guitar. <laughs> he sold that stuff to finance his upgrades. I mean, all that stuff it carries value. You can sell, you know, original pots out of these guitars for you know buttloads of money. Way more than they're worth for, oh, their, yeah. for their functionality. Yeah, uh, you could sell the screws off this thing, off the original, for tons of money. Um, yeah, last Sunday I gave you your screw back from yeah. from your SG. That's probably still was, in my pocket. I was going to put that thing on eBay as vintage 1996 Gibson, Gibson SG, SG special pit guard <laughs> screw. Someone out there needs it. Ten thousand dollars. <laughs> oh man. All right, let's move on to the next ad. Sure. That thing's a, that's a great ad, though. Do we want to do the Princeton? Uh, let's do. Let's say the Princeton for last. Let's talk about this. Um, is it Maton? 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 Uh, it's our, an Australian brand. Our down under listeners, I know you are out there. I know there is at least one of you. Uh huh. Um, tell us how to pronounce this. Yeah. So tell then, us about this guitar if we get anything wrong. Maybe it's Mayton. I have seen these around in ads, and I'm always just kind of struck by the hardware on them. I think the body style's attractive, and I think the finishes are attractive, and the other details are attractive. But what really grabs me about these guitars is the uh, the pickups and the rings around the pickups. They look really cool. And the switch on this thing has this really wild knob. 
like it's a rotary switch with this crazy like like freaked out science fiction like retro futuristic thing going on yeah yeah it's got like a handle on that rotary switch yeah uh i think it looks really classy i'm trying to remember who all plays uh like Matson's got a bunch of artists listed. I think the guy that I'm thinking of that I first heard about these guitars from is uh, Josh Hom. Oh, okay. From Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, Home. Home. Yeah. Whatever. Well, yeah. Whatever. Well, if you're he doesn't listening, listen. He's not going to know. I, Josh, know, if you we, listen, we, tell us, please. Don't be, <laughs> don't beat us up because you're one of the few people in the music world that is bigger than us. I think he's got a recording studio out in uh, in uh, the desert city out here palm springs oh okay he's not too far from us if we ever wanted to hang out with him if he was a listener yeah um and i think i've seen keith urban playing this stuff uh-huh who's a country guy i mean usually they they go for pretty good money this one's only 899 bucks yeah that's a great stateside price yeah uh, i looked these up on ebay and and uh they were regularly going in like i want to say around 1200 yeah, I found. I think I saw a few around like that were new, basically, like from a retailer for in like the two grand kind of right. area. I don't know exactly what they go for new, but that's kind of what I was seeing. Uh, but definitely eight ninety nine. If I had that kind of cash uh, to spend on a guitar right now, I might be looking at this thing pretty hard because it's not far away from me. Yeah, I feel like. I just love the way these things look. Oh, absolutely. They're lookers. Uh, it kind of reminds me, I mean, of the Gretsch, uh, was it the Gretsch BST series? Yeah. Uh, which was like a John, John Foreman kind of brought those back from mm-hmm. Switchfoot. Um, the ones that have a, couple, a few years like ago. Like the, uh, the Explorer headstock, but they've got like a single cut body shape. I don't remember. I don't remember what those headstocks look like. The thing with that thing that was the big deal with his is it was like all original, yeah, and the pickups had gone super microphonic, yeah, and he'd sing and so through. that was his like singing guitar. Uh, so I, that was like everyone was like, "How does he do that?" And like, well, here's what you do: you got a broken pickup, you, you get a pickup <laughs> and a jackhammer, yeah, <laughs> uh, spend a few hours. I saw him play that guitar at San Diego Street Sing back when that was a concert that happened. Um, when it when it was downtown, back when it was both a concert that happened and a concert that featured San Diego bands, exactly. Uh, well, it had national acts too. Oh, really? I saw the presidents at that show. Oh, I okay. saw REM. I saw the Scatolites. Um, who's just, that? Who's that? Like a bluegrassy, altish band that's local that got really big? Nickel Creek. Nickel Creek. I saw them play. I saw a bunch of people play there. I went to that thing alone. I got really disillusioned about street scene a few, the year uh, I think that the headliner was. Uh, it was either Dr. Dre or Snoop Dogg. It was Snoop Dogg. It was Snoop Dogg. And they spelled his name wrong. They did. Yeah, he uh, he spells his name in every song. Yeah, D O double G, and they spelled his name D O G. Where's the double G? Yeah. Na 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 na. Yeah, exactly. That's been the hip hop minute here on Sixty Cycle Home, the guitar podcast. Well, so the other thing is, I, I don't know if it was the same year. The it was within a year, if not the same year. Uh, the Black Eyed Peas performed "Sing Your Street Scene." Uh huh. And Fergie Peter Pants. Oh, good. Yeah, good for her. I guess like she couldn't find a bathroom, and so she was like, ah, "I'm just gonna pee in my pants during the performance." Hey, why something. not? That's what I yeah. do. 
I'm going to do that right now. Oh, my God. Thanks Thanks for the beer, Sierra Nevada. You, you got a pause button, dude. <laughs> so that thing looks great. Let's move on to the next ad. Yeah, last ad. I mean, um, we're going to be posting pictures of this on the Facebook group. So if you're not following us on the Facebook group, I know that the, at least half of you aren't based on our numbers. Yeah. So if you're not following us on the Facebook group and interacting with us, you Maybe should... they don't have Facebook, right? Everyone's got Facebook. It's Facebook.com slash 60 cycle hum. <laughs> that's how Steve sings I think that's how you find it. Yeah, you have to sing it. <laughs> yeah. You go to Facebook and you sing it and it goes there. Right. If you search right. for 60 cycle hum up in your search bar, it'll come up. There's our front page. Yeah, there's a page and a group. You can like our page. That's cool. Like that's, yeah, the that's group, great. The group but, is where all the action yeah, is. Yeah, the group is, is active. We, we are... Uh, the fourth most active gear community that I'm a part of. <laughs> that you're a part of. The fourth most. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty big hey, deal. Four, fourth, on, fourth on my list, but first in content. How many? Uh, how many groups are you part of? Four. <laughs> <laughs> It's say like, we have an active group though. I love our group. It, it's you know I, I say that, but like we have like what what is there like four hundred people in that group, something like that. And are the people who post in there? I'm not going to name drop because you guys know who you are. Yeah, you're top quality. Um, but the stuff you guys post is great. Yeah, and the way that you guys interact with each other is great because literally like every other group that I go in. It's a disaster. I'm. I just like. I go in there for like five minutes, and I half the time I'm riding, I'm not even sure if I'm trolling. <laughs> like I'm riding it, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm. I just. It's our group is awesome. It is. It's it's because it's still small. Yeah. If we get to the point where we have thousands of of people on there, then we'll have to have admins and stuff, probably, to keep things from getting crazy. And we'll have people trying to sell blue jeans and stuff. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. Last there, ad. There, speaking of blue jeans, so there is a... We're never going to do this ad. I know. There is a... Uh, in in Gear Talk in the last week, I guess it's leading up to Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. I'm convinced it's a hacked account or it's uh-huh. like a fake account. There is a girl, a female account that's been going through that's like, Hey, who wants to private chat? Send me a message. No. Like advertising her cam show. No. Yeah. That's not good. And I've it's I've seen it come up twice. This isn't in P dubs, this is in regular gear right, talk. Regular gear talk. And You mean heathen gear talk? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, and I'm just like it blows my mind. And the thing that sucks about it. And I guess why there's like some level of leeway is it is like a real person. It's like a known model. Sure. But she's marketing her her, her show. Well, here's the thing. Same way we do. Here, we, here's we don't, the thing. People don't see us when we take our clothes yeah. off. If you have like 38,000 followers on Twitter and like 260,000 followers on Instagram... Do you turn to a 15,000-member Facebook group to sell your cam show? Hey, how do you get those those followers, man? I guess. You get you get new followers. You got to oh maintain your numbers, right? I, I'm pretty convinced that it's It's not, an advertising thing. It's not, I don't even think it's... I think it's like somebody... It's a bot or something. ...who has found like a, like a C-list celebrity 
Uh, or like maybe not even see. So you think it's a troll thing? I think it. No, I think it's some. Well, I think it's a scam. I think it's someone who's like DM me your details, and then they're going to send you to a website where you put in your credit card information, and then they're going to dump your account. Uh, That's what I think is going on. All right. It's probably you know it says it's a hot whatever twenty three year old blonde in Hollywood, but it's really a thirty eight year old Nigerian. <laughs> Be careful on the internet, guys. Yeah. It's yeah. the Wild West out there. If you ever see one of those in our group, let us know. We'll kill them. I mean... <laughs> not kill them, kill them, we mean kick them out of the group. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to kill anyone. We're not assassins all of a sudden. Mm. Speak for myself, I guess. Steve just gave me a look. Last ad. <laughs> Princeton. Last, last advertisement. Princeton Reverb. <laughs> so, I don't remember who sent this to us, but I definitely didn't find it. Uh, I don't even have where this thing is located here in the ad. It's just the worst picture you could imagine of a Princeton Reverb. I'm guessing it's a Princeton Reverb because it's, it probably is because it's a six-knob silver face. I'm looking at a six-knob black face, but not really a black face. Yeah, you're looking at the one here in my house that I own. But this is a silver face. It's just the most pixelated picture you could imagine. Uh, and it says, found in the basement last night was my brother's, but he moved out like 15 years ago and he never comes back. We have more of his stuff still here, but a lot of stuff is in the way. I guess I will take the best offer or something. It is a little dirty, I guess. And you know, the pictures, you can't even tell how dirty it is. This guy wants 200 bucks for this thing. I don't know what the current going rate for these is, but it's not $200. Do you remember what you paid for yours? Like 500 Yeah, I paid 500 And you got a steal on that. Mine is a reissue. I got a steal. It's a little dirty, a little worse for wear. I want to say... I want to say original silver face. And this is off the top of my head. I could be completely wrong. Sure. I want to say 800 to to 1000 I wouldn't be surprised. That's a pretty broad thing, but I know... The Silver Face Deluxe Reverbs are in the nine to twelve hundred range, nine to eleven, something I'm like that. I'm right now. Um, this is a rad amp, and I'm hoping that whatever happened with this is this guy got so many offers that he realized, like, he got so many offers within like thirty minutes that he realized that he had something special. Yeah, and, I hope and, so. And didn't just sell it to the first person who was like two fifty. Here's one. I'm not even looking at completed listings because I don't want to mess around with right. it. Right. Here's. Oh, no. That's one of the new ones. Um, here's I don't a, think here's, that, a, here's a 69 silver face, which isn't that like the crossover between uh, blackface and silver? Probably 68, but the 68's the crossover. They want 1700 for this thing. That seems high. Yeah, that's high. Um, eBay, eBay, eBay. Uh, well, it's tough because they just came out with a reissued. I'm doing air quotes. Was it a sil- the silver face of a silver face w- Princeton? But it's modified oh, to be a little it different. Part, it's part of that custom, the 68 yeah. custom line. Here's a 74 silver face for 1300. That seems offer. more reasonable to me. Yeah, I think that the, still seems a little high, but considering there's these new ones on the market that have a silver face look that are basically like 900 to a thousand. Getting close to a thousand on an original Princeton, yeah, Silverface, you're doing pretty good. It looks like they're bouncing around for uh, buy it now around thirteen on uh, and eBay. I, and I feel like the guy who wrote this ad, like he put a, the way the ads are written, doesn't make me think it's like one of these. I'm I'm trying to get your email or I'm trying to like yeah screw you or whatever. Um, 
So I mean, it still feels a little. It feels too good to be true. Yeah. I mean, two hundred. Here's a seventy-one with no reserve that on eBay that sold. It sold for eight thirty-five. Uh huh. Um, Anything wrong with it? I don't. I'm just. I'm not looking at. I that. mean, this thing's been in a basement for a while. It might need some repairs, but still. Yeah. Here's one not working for. Like, here's one that says it, it says it's not working. It's uh, after shipping, it sold for about seven forty. Now that's for one that's not working. Yeah. So that kind of gives you a ballpark. So maybe not quite like eight hundred to a thousand, but like at least seven to nine hundred. Totally. Uh, maybe six hundred to nine hundred. I mean, if this had range. been in our neighborhood, I would have been. Colin. Yeah. I know it's not in our neighborhood because it says it's in a basement. We don't have those here. <laughs> That's true. Um, but I would have been on the phone as soon as I could or on the email as soon as I could with that guy and probably in the car driving to his neighborhood just in case he called. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I know, right? <laughs> what if he would have called you and been like, been like, oh, I just got an offer for $210. $210? $220. $250. I'd be like, whatever your highest offer is, I'll do 50 over that. What if he got and then a, I'd show up and to find out what the highest offer was and then go from there. What if he had got an offer before you got there for like eight hundred dollars? I'd pay eight fifty for that thing if it worked. Okay, they're great amps, man. They are. I mean, that's not even the blackface version, and the blackface. I, mean, I don't even want to know what the vintage blackface versions go for. But they're great little uh, tube amps, low wattage. You can push them to drive with a in a band setting. Uh, you can get them close to drive at a home setting yeah um really great drippy warm reverb it's not characteristic of a normal fender style reverb on it it's a a lot warmer because a normal fender reverb is pretty bright right Uh, well i was plugged into yours um when i came over today i plugged in your janky weirdo squire with the vibrato I should probably talk about that soon. And uh, have you not talked about it? No, because we did two Namisodes. Oh, I thought you talked about it on one of like the new stuffs. I don't think so. Uh, I don't remember. We'll look. We'll look it up and figure it out. I guess you didn't. Yeah, I don't it think I talked like about it. I talked about it on the group. Maybe next episode. Yeah. I anyway. I was messing around with that thing, and that amp sounds great. Yeah. Well, I was on this whole like window shopping journey to find myself an amp for home recording uh, what was going to be the demo tracks for Dinosaur Ghost so I could get a band. Right. And I was looking for an amp that had just the right amount of, the right kind of reverb and would be good for home recording. And I went to Guitar Center. I tried everything they had there. I had bought and sold a couple amps that I had, found on Craigslist, and none of them were doing it for me. Uh, I went to Guitar Trader, which is a store that is now closed. We talked about them. Um, and this thing was in the use section. I plugged it in. I played it against a few other amps that, that were there. They had a Silverface Super Reverb that I was playing, and that was fun, but it didn't do it for me. And I started to drive home. You don't want a Super Reverb. Yeah, I know, I know. I got... Uh, I mean, let me take that back. You want a Super Reverb, but, but not you, for what I would But doing. not for what you wanted. Exactly. Um I got within five minutes of being home, and I was like, I just got to go get that thing. And so I turned around <laughs> and went all the way back to Guitar Trader and bought the the Princeton, and I have been happy with it since. I've never had a moment where I'm like, okay, I don't want this amp anymore. That's cool. I want it. I, I don't still think want this amp. I don't think I ever heard that whole story. Really? Like, I knew you bought it from Guitar Trader. I didn't... I don't think... 
I was on a I was on a specific journey to find a specific sound. Right. You know, no, you know what? I think I knew about that. I didn't know that you had like played it and left. Yeah. And then turned around and were and decided just, like you wanted it. It just got under my skin, and I got yeah. home and I was like, I want that amp. I just want that amp. I've got to go back for it. And just in case someone else buys it, and I don't want to sit at home and twiddle my thumbs. Mm-hmm. So that's my story with that amp. And uh, I was able to talk them down, I think, from 575 to 500 even, just because it's got a knob that's a little bent. Yeah. Well, at the time, wasn't it super dirty, too? Yeah, it was pretty dirty. I remember that. Yeah, it's still got some... Like, someone spilled something white on it. Like, I want to think it's paint or some kind of, like... A powdery thing that might be worth more than the amp. Somebody spilled something white on it. Oh, right? come on. Don't go somewhere gross with that. What? <laughs> Where, is it on the grill? Yeah, it's inside the grill. It went through the grill onto the speaker cone. I, oh, so did you? is it next to like the Fender logo? Yeah, you can okay, kind of see it. I can kind of see it, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's a little blemished. But I got it for five hundred bucks. Probably someone who had a. It sounds awesome. Had a caramel macchiato. It might be something like that. Something white that stained through it. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, should we move on to the topic? Uh, yeah, we should. Or should I talk about that squire? No, let's not talk about that squire. Let's talk about the pedal that we have to talk oh, about. Oh yeah, I keep forgetting about the stuff that we're gonna do. All right, we got the last of our Earthquaker Devices pedals to talk about here. Uh, They hooked us up with some pedals at NAMM. This is the last one. It is the Grand Orbiter version 2. Yeah. Do you want to read the little thing there? Welcome to your new Grand Orbiter phase machine from Earthquaker Devices. The Grand Orbiter is a four-stage OTA-based phaser with a diverse feature set that can go from stationary and resonant to slow and mellow. And on through fast and swirly. It has three. It has a three-way toggle switch to select between. Blah blah. Lots of stuff. This isn't as interesting as the afternoon. <laughs> oh one. come on! You gotta read oh, it, Steve. Come on. This is way long. We're gonna put this in a video. Uh, oh crap. <laughs> it has a three-way toggle switch to select between the ranges of modulation. Rate one is slow. Sweet mode. Rate 2 kills the LFO and allows you to use the Grand Orbiter as a fixed resonant filter. And Rate 3 is fast sweep mode. The master rate control fine-tunes the speed of the LFO in each of these modes. And the flashing red LED acts as a visual indicator even when the effect is on bypass mode. The depth control blends the shifted signal in with the dry signal and controls the intensity of the effect. The sweep control governs the peak frequency of the phase signal's tone. Turned full clockwise, the sweep is lively and intense, whereas turning counterclockwise yields a darker, more laid-back peak. The resonance control provides a wide range of control over the regeneration, and at higher settings adds a more pronounced and animated tone. You can also use the Grand Orbiter as a true pitch vibrato with the phase vibrato switch. When in vibrato mode, the dry signal is removed and the depth control acts as a volume control. This pedal is 100% analog, true bypass, and built entirely by hand in Beachy, Akron, Ohio. I'm proud of you, Steve. You read it. I made it. You made it all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about phasers. Uh, yeah, let's talk about phasers. Eddie Van Halen. Uh-huh. 
Anyone else? Um, There's tons of people have used phasers. No one else besides Eddie Van Halen in the history of music has think, used a phaser. No, that's not true, Steve. So many people have used them. I can't think of them off the top of my head. I the phase so phasers. It's just not an effect that we don't use a lot. So it's like we don't have a lot of opinion on it. Yeah. So this is going to be an interesting review. I had a Dan Electro. Interesting meaning that we sound like idiots. Yeah. I had a Dan Electro pepperoni <laughs> phaser back in the day, and yeah. I I really liked it. But my thing is, like, now that I'm focused more on bass playing than guitar playing, I just have a lot of trouble finding a use for phaser. Yeah. Um, This was a pedal I really wanted to like. The feature set is great. The options are great. Yeah, absolutely. But because I think really just because I'm playing, like, church music as a bass player, there's not a lot I could do with it. Right. I think that was the struggle with this pedal is just that both neither of us are really phaser guys. So there's like this whole, like, what do we do with this sort of thing? Um, I'm still playing around with it, still experimenting with it. Uh, my first pedal ever was a phaser, but it was the Boss PH2. You know what? I actually, I borrowed that for, for a while from you, yeah. not to get too far from the Earthquaker stuff. I bar- I'm moving around. Yeah, you are. Uh, I borrowed that uh, for a bit from you, and I... It was all right. Yeah. I'm going to say this right out. I like this better than the boss. Yeah. Way better. It, um, it's, it sounds awesome. It yeah. It makes really cool sounding things. Like I said, if you like phasers, this is a great phaser. Yeah. It's it's, it's a, it's a uh, what is it called? A, 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 a four... Four knob. No, there's a... a four... What's the... F- I don't know. Four stage. Four stage. That's the word I was looking for. Stage. It's a four stage phaser, which is, I think, basically the. I know there are two stage phasers, but they're a little bit different than this. Oh, okay. Like four stage is like your basic, classic, like phase ninety sort of thing. Um, something I'll say about the boss phaser is that something I used it all the time for uh, is I would dial the depth all the way down and use it just as like a stationary filter kind of sound. This thing has that, but without having to just dial down the uh, the depth, you can put it at the uh, at the number two rate setting. Yeah, and then you can dial in any point on the sweep to have this filter sound. And I've actually been playing around with that a lot, and it's a really cool thing to do because all of a sudden you can get yourself like this really kind of like cocktail sound, right? Or get yourself. Like that Brian May kind of out of phase sound. I was trying to mess with that on bass, and I maybe with my Yamaha bass that would have worked with the P bass. The frequency spectrum on the P bass is just so like big and, uh-huh. and bulky. Um, that's actually a really good description of a P bass. Like it, sure, P bass is just kind of have this bulky thing going on. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't get really that rate two setting to work. Um, but well, I think it's just the frequencies you sit in with the bass. Like, it doesn't well, that's matter what I as mean. much. That's what I mean. Yeah. Did you run it before or after a drive? I ran... Well, I ran it clean. Oh, okay. So you weren't using your fuzz or anything with it? No. Okay. I think if you dropped it after the fuzz, you would have gotten mm, some pretty dramatic results. I will say, like, a friend of ours came on, uh, David Lee, uh-huh. and he jumped on bass just to like kind of mess around with it and he was dialing in some like crazy like super funky stuff yeah when i say funky like i mean like in the 70s sense like funk sound yeah like funk music but he's 
a lot more comfortable as like a slapper uh-huh. uh, than I am. So he was doing a lot of like slap tone stuff and it sounded fantastic. Yeah, totally. A lot of like more like, like we I said, said 70s or even like Red Hot Chili Peppers yeah. or like Primus inspired stuff. Any problem we're having with this, we're well aware that it's our issue as yeah, musicians. For I th- sure. I think as far as the phasers I've played, this thing sounds great. I love the feature set. Uh, I love that you can switch to the vibrato. That's a really fun thing. Um, I think I'm going to probably end up finding a setting on the vibrato side that I work into, you know, probably right. a recording at some point because it is a really fun thing to have. I'm definitely going to be playing around with the uh, the number two position on the rate a lot. I really like how fast this thing goes. Oh, yeah. It can get just ripping, ripping fast. Yeah. Which can be a really neat effect if you throw it in front of like a time-based effect, like a delay or a reverb. Oh, yeah. I I got some bass sounds out of it that where it was just going nuts. It just... Yeah. I don't... It's something where I feel like for me, it would be a recording arsenal pedal. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. Uh, But... Again, like if you're looking, if you're on the market for a phaser, like you need to check out the Grand Orbiter. Yeah, at least look at it for sure. I mean, you could always go with a one knob phase 90 sort of thing yeah. and it would get you your classic phaser sound. But why not get a four knob two switch sort of thing where you could maybe find your own sound? And I think that's really been the strong point we've been discovering with these Earthquaker pedals is that they let you come up with your own sound yeah instead of being stuck with kind of the bass sound that is available with most pedals or at least the classic pedals you know like would, earthquake what earthquaker does really well is giving you the options to do your own thing yeah i was talking to someone the other day about the all of the earthquaker stuff we've tried out uh you know i described i realized later like after i think last week's episode uh-huh um the afterneath for me was like the reverb pedal for people who hate reverb pedals sure because like you've known me a long time i had the rv5 i've had the digitech digiverb hated both of them uh-huh because like for me reverb if it doesn't crash i don't want it right totally the afterneath for me was a different approach to reverb in that like once I started thinking about the pedal as a delay, like I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. Um But it's a reverb sound. And Earthquaker, I think what they really excel at and what makes them innovative is that their control layouts basically let you adjust everything sure i mean i'm sure they let you find the extremes and they let you find the the middle you yeah know? i'm sure there's other stuff that like people would say oh i i, I want to adjust this like sure. weird thing but as far as like bigger brands big it's like there you could get like some like ultra small batch builder that has like a nine knob phaser probably oh probably that but controls it, every internal component right but as know? far as like your mass distributed uh, high end boutique small batch whatever you want to call it uh-huh. uh companies go like. I don't know if anyone else is offering something with as many options. I'm sure as there's Earthquaker is. there's a lot of interesting phaser options out there, but this is this one's definitely compact. Yeah, it's got all the options you could, you know, realistically need. And the fact that it switches to vibrato too is really fun. The fact that it does the uh, the hold thing at, at position two is really great and really useful. I don't know of any other phasers that do that. 
uh, if anyone else does, any comment on the group, I guess. But, yeah. I, you know, it's a great pedal. If you're looking for a phaser, if you're like in a reggae band or in a funk band or in an Eddie Van Halen band or something like that, this is going to be a great pedal for you. If you're not in one of those bands and you don't need a phaser, then why are, then why are you listening to our opinion on I would this? say, like, if you're looking for something that just does makes weird sounds, you should check it out. Oh, sure. It's a noisemaker. Because uh, definitely at, like, the more extreme settings, like, it does some extreme stuff. Yeah. Extreme! <laughs> Speaking of extreme, did you watch the Grammys at all? I did not. I never watched. Are we the transitioning? We're transitioning. Out. Yeah, we All just right. transitioned. Uh, so the dude from we Ex- just transitioned, guys. We're in another. We're in another world now. <laughs> the dude from Extreme was on the Grammys playing with Rihanna, like he always is. Okay, uh, we've what, talked about him before, right? We have. That's all I've got. Nuno Betancourt. Yeah, he's the guitar player for Rihanna. All I've heard about the Grammys is the thing with Beck and uh, what's his name? Oh, and Kanye. Yeah, I yeah. I haven't listened. Oh, he wanted uh, Beyonce to win. He always wants Beyonce to win. I haven't listened to Beyonce's album, and I haven't listened to Beck's album. I have I have no dog in this fight. Um, I mean, I'm a Beck fan. I've but- heard a couple tracks from Beyonce's album. I think so. He came out on on a couple different talk shows and basically said like. When he got up at the Grammys, it was a joke. But as he thought about it more and more, he felt like Beyonce should have won. So, like, the next day, he kind of went off. And then after that, he was like, oh, wait, but Beck is also legit. Uh, So then, like, he apologized to Beck. This is really the take home. From what I understand, in 2015... Kanye West and Taylor Swift are going to the studio together. Now, you probably don't remember. Maybe... Oh, you probably remember this. At least the meme. Yo, Taylor. I'm going to let you finish or whatever, right? Right. When he interrupted her at the MTV Video Music Awards. I didn't know that was her. Yeah, so he interrupts Taylor Swift, who won like Video of the Year over Beyonce. Okay. uh, Over Single Ladies, which which really is one of the greatest videos of all time. Okay. Um, And he says, yo, Taylor... I'm gonna let you finish, but seriously, uh, Beyonce had one of the greatest music videos of all time, or whatever. Sure. Um, so anyway, in 2015, uh, supposedly Taylor Swift and Kanye West are going to hit the studio together. Well, good for them. And uh, the importance of this all being that what we hopefully can look forward to is a Beck Kanye collabo. I'd listen to that. Eventually, I would be all over that someday. I would listen to it tomorrow. Cool. I would. I would. Maybe now. I don't buy anything. Let's be honest. <laughs> I don't steal anything. I just don't buy anything. Right. Right. Um. So yeah. So what? Oh, because Nuno Betancourt, Extreme, Rihanna, Grammys, backwards, backwards, backwards. Are we on the topic now? <laughs> We're on the topic now. We have an email from Wyatt uh, Gerton. Gerton looks right to me. <laughs> Both of those work for you, Steve? Yeah. Okay. Wyatt. Uh, I think it's we ought. Sure. Uh, you can you can correct us on the uh, Facebook group if you like, Wyatt. Or we ought. <laughs> I really, really doubt your name is we ought. I'm pretty sure it's Wyatt. Uh, I'm not going to make fun of that pronunciation in case it is your name. Is how you pronounce it? But I don't think that's how you pronounce your name. I think it's Wyatt. All right. Uh, it says, hey, guys, I've been listening to your podcasts at work because I'm stuck at a desk all day. And I'm enjoying what you guys have to say. I thought I'd throw out some ideas for podcast topics since you asked. 
I'm a huge JHS fan. I was curious if you could talk about anything noteworthy you have experienced with them at NAM. Also, I know Steve has done some pedal mods before. I'm looking into doing. Uh, I'm looking into doing, picking up a DS1 and modding it up, and was wondering if you had any experience to share on that. One more thing on NAM Part Two. Steve sounded like he was eating some ice chips or something right in front of the mic. People do that on the phone at work, and it drives me nuts. So I thought I'd call Steve out on it. I was in NAM Part One, I think, and definitely in NAM Part Two. I was drinking a whiskey and coke. Uh huh. And second drink, dude. All of those ice chips were covered in whiskey. I was sitting here watching you chew those ice cubes, and I was like, oh my. Gosh, I can't you should believe. have said something. I could. I think you were talking, and I didn't want to interrupt. And I was like, "He's chewing ice cubes right now." And you had already been kicking the microphone stand everywhere. <laughs> I was like, "I don't. I'm not in the. I'm not in the mood to even deal with For this." For right what now. it's worth, the kicks did not come through on the recording. No. But I noticed the ice chips, and I was like, "Dude, I, I am a douche." <laughs> Because you just be like, crunch, crunch, crunch. Yeah. Oh, come on, That's why I try on, to stick Steve. to beer. And the worst part is that Coke was already cold. I didn't need ice. No, you didn't. I mean, the, the ice is nice, though. It's a But it's you a don't feature. need to chew it. That's bad for your teeth, Steve. Is it? Yeah, you can ruin your teeth chewing ice. So um, let's talk about JHS. Let's let's throw this out first about JHS. Did you ever hear back about that that shirt? Oh, from Adam? Yeah. He's keeping it. Okay, never yeah, mind. Yeah, we, we were talking about uh, Adam, our, our our buddy and our video guy at NAM. Uh, he got his hands on a shirt from JHS, and then he left it at my house, and we're like, oh, if he doesn't want it, we'll contest it. But he wants it, so no contest. No contest. <laughs> All right. Yeah, he's keeping it. Um, uh, what are your impressions on JHS from NAM? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not... What the crap, dude? Uh, sorry. Ding! Uh, JHS, I'm s- semi-familiar with their product line. We were actually... We didn't talk about this uh, in the previous episodes, but Ryan and I were actually among like the first people... Uh, outside of like the gear of outside of like the insiders to experience the color box. Like, yeah, totally. Like a year ago. We or didn't whatever. know what it was. We hadn't heard any hype on it. And it was like right in front of us and we had to have it well, explained. Well, I knew what it was. Okay. I had to have it explained to me. I'm like, what is this thing with all these knobs, with all this craziness? Yeah. So um, when we were at NAM, I don't know if JHS had anything really new that they were promoting. They did have the um their silver tone uh 1484 pedal i what is that thing called oh the 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 two twin the twin 12 the 1012 twin 12 twin 12 twin 12 twin 12 i'm a little tongue tying um and i like that pedal yeah by the way we we got to listen to that a little i think Uh uh-huh i mean the new thing from from uh from jhs is that chorus is the 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 penguin one is it? Yeah, that's like their newer thing. Isn't oh, I don't it? know. But the, the, I have no use for chorus. The uh, the the Twin Twelve is really exciting too. It's kind of newish. I think they came out with it 2014. No, yeah, not too long ago. Uh, I would totally jam one of those. I I I like uh, JHS's kind of takes on amps amp sounds in a yeah. pedal sort of thing. Like the the Super Bowl Super Bowl is something that I would definitely mess around with because I uh, I rec- that's a basically. A uh, 
a simulation of the Supro of the Supro, the and that's an amp that I used to record my band's demo with. Yeah, I would not mind having that around to kind of recapture that sound. Uh, but the the twin twelve sounds really great too. You definitely get that uh, like Jack White kind of sound. Yeah. I mentioned him this time. Yeah, I beat you to it. Uh, uh, oh my god. <laughs> Who brags about that? <laughs> it's a running thing for us. Yeah, I don't know if, uh, but it sounds it sounds really great. Yeah, in the know, videos that I've heard, anyways. I don't know if there's anything like super noteworthy about their setup. All I can say is um, Josh was a super cool guy. Yeah, and uh, who's the owner of the company and the other JHS guys we talked to. Everyone yeah. was super cool, super nice, super uh, tall. Yeah. <laughs> If if we say that someone is tall, yeah. they're tall because we're tall guys. Yeah, we might be the tallest podcast duo in the world. There's a good chance. There is a good chance. <laughs> if you run a podcast somewhere, duo somewhere, and you're taller than us, let us know on the Facebook. Somewhere group. out there, there's like a NBA podcast <laughs> that's like two like two former pros. Yeah, you know, somewhere out there, there's a podcast where like one of the dudes is like seven foot tall. And the other dude's just like five six. Yeah. But because the one dude's seven foot tall, it throws up their average to like I'm trying to do the math in my head. I'm not fast enough. Right. You're talking like a uh, a twins uh Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito situation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like just because of the the average being thrown, they could be like the most muscular movie in the world. Right, right. Even though Danny DeVito's in there, but yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger anyway, throws so the Anyway, so JHS, um, super cool guys. Uh, you and know, we said it on the Namisodes. There was no way for us to evaluate the sound of anything there. Yeah, just because it was so loud, there was so much going on. But the guy that they had playing at their booth was super, super good. What was that guy's name? Uh, Mason Stoops. Mason Stoops, super rad. We're gonna have video of him when we put out our Nam video. Um, and he was blasting some great sounds yeah. out of his JHS pedal board there. Yeah, look and forward to that, guys. We got the Grand Orbiter video going to be coming out pretty soon. Yeah. And eventually, it's taking a little longer because there's like, what, 40 minutes of footage? Yeah. Um, I think it's close our, to an hour. Well, I mean, I'm saying like we're going to take it down to like 40 minutes, I think. Something like that. Of NAM footage uh, that will be on YouTube pretty soon. Eventually. Uh, so it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Adam says he's like a uh, 80% done I think. Wow. Yeah, so we're we're probably next week sometime or this week. Um but yeah, the uh, Mason Stoops, he was blasting some JH pedals through four Princeton reverbs. Yeah. They had this setup with four Princetons. I think they're all if I remember they're all 68 customs. Yeah, I got, the, the new ones. I was like nerding out like trying to figure out which which ones they were. I wish I had that rig at home. Uh, you know I'd rock I'd rock that rig oh so hard gosh. at church, man. Four Princeton Reverb? Oh, yeah. That's only 48 watts. <laughs> it, I'm not sure it works that way. <laughs> it's it's four. Uh, I thought they were eight watts. I, think, no, I mean, 18 watts. I think they're 12. The no, Princeton think... Reverb itself is 12 watts. Oh, okay. I, you know, four 12-watt amplifiers does not equal 48 watts of amplification. Does. You think so? Somebody who's way more into amps than us can. I don't try think and, that's the can, way it works. Can hit man. Us up. I think it just equals four twelve watt okay, amplifiers for, for for real. If 
You are super into if you're like a ant builder, uh huh, or even DIY, and you know the answer to this. Send us an email. Don't just don't berate me for being an idiot. Chew them out, man. I want to. Uh, I want to read a letter where do, you choose. We will. Out. We will for for real read it um, in two weeks. Oh, absolutely. Um, not next episode because you won't have us that email to us in time. Um, but I feel like so. This is my logic: is that if you have like a hundred watt amp, uh huh, and you have a hundred watt amp and a four, and it's running into a four by twelve, you're effectively sending twenty five watts to each speaker. Okay. So on the flip side, if you have four twelve watt amps, you're effectively running forty eight watts into. Like in total. Now I realize. I realize as a caveat. I realize like you're only hitting like twelve watts RMS. Like that's your clean headroom. Uh-huh. So if you're going above that, it's all different. I realize like you know there's other factors at play, but at a very simplistic, basic level, if you have four twelve watt amps and each one of them is running into its own speaker. It would be the equivalent of taking a 48-watt amp and hooking it up to those same four speakers. Here's a thought experiment. Is it a thought experiment? I'm about to do a thought experiment okay. on you. You have 100 1-watt amplifiers. Okay. Does that equal... Running into 100 speakers, okay. does that equal a 100-watt amplifier? If the 100-watt amplifier is running into 100 speakers, I might... <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't think it works that way. Yeah, I think you got me. I think you're right. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to change my mind right now <laughs> because because at least at that extreme. Right. Um, here's, here's the issue. You, you run into like major headroom issues that's, at that point. That's the issue. Like if we're talking about a 40-watt amplifier or 48-watt, then we can basically talk about my 50-watt classic 50 right that thing stays clean a lot louder than my princeton reverb but what if you had four four princeton reverbs running at the same time are still going to break up a lot earlier than my classic 50 it's going to break up way earlier than that but and the volume's going to be way different i don't believe that that will be the same volume as my classic 50 i there's got to be some kind of threshold where maybe there's some sort of overlap. The one watt versus a hundred watt example is hard, um, and you're probably yeah you I'm I feel like at, at when the more I think about the one watt one hundred one watt amps versus yeah a hundred watt amp into a hundred speakers. I feel like that's set. But then speakers are rated at... Someone nerdier than us, please yes. tell us what we're right and what we're wrong on. We will read this. Absolutely. Because here's the thing is speakers are rated at one watt at X, like as far as uh, speaker volume is concerned. Uh-huh. Speakers are rated at one watt, typically one watt at X frequency... Uh, and then their uh, sensitivity level. So I don't. Let's not talk about this I don't anymore. Know. I don't know this episode. Okay, please, like for real. <laughs> I, 
I want to know straight. I want to know what the answer to this is. Send us an email. Be as condescending as you want, I guess. Absolutely, it's more entertaining the more uh, condescending you are. Just don't make us like have make to Steve edit. cry. Make You're Steve cry. Make cry. Make us read the uh, the the uh, diehard version of your email. Oh, fine, whatever. <laughs> Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about the DS one part of the question. Yeah, we haven't even gotten anywhere. N- we've gone about halfway through this. Um, so the DS one mod is actually the mod that I've done. Yeah, um, and you've done a good job of it too. And everyone that I know that I've done it for, which is myself and Ryan and Isaac Vining, uh-huh. uh, have all said that they loved it. And this is a Keeley style mod. There's instructions to do it on instructables.com. If you go to instructables.com. And do a search for like DS1. Uh, it gives a Keely mod. Also, shout out to the Chasing Tone podcast, who hopefully someday will reciprocate our shout outs. <laughs> um, Probably not. Brian Wampler basically like cut his teeth on DS1 mods, among many other things. Sure, sure. But if you look up Wampler DS1, um, which is W A M P L E R. You'll find it. DS dash one space M O D S. Uh huh. Uh, Wampler DS one mods. Um, he's got a bunch of like simpler, simpler mods that are like single component uh-huh. or like like a handful of components. So the instructable stuff is like taking just doing how to do the Keeley one, basically, right? Uh, or one similar to Robert Keeley's, uh, but what? But Brian kind of like, from what I understand, he basically had a bunch of DS1s, like was just buying. Yeah. Like, well, if you get them on the use market, they're dirt cheap. Yeah, they're like 20 bucks. Yeah, easy. And from what I understand, like early in his pedal modding career, uh, so like 15 years ago, maybe, uh-huh. um, he was just buying every DS1 he could get his hands on and then swapping out like one component. Yeah. Or two, like one two, three, whatever, like, just swapping out different components to find out what everything did. Uh-huh. And a lot of this stuff uh, he wrote, uh, he recorded and put online. And so there's things like, oh, if you want more of a, of this sound, swap out these five resistors for these values and you'll get that. Or if you want something else, do this other thing and whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so there's definitely, like, a lot of stuff you can do with it. Personally, like a lot of people go like, oh, I've done different DS1 mods. I've done the Monty Alums mods, whatever. I didn't like it. I had one with the Monty Alums. I didn't like it as much as the Keeley style oh, that you yeah. did. Absolutely not. Uh, well, that's because I use superior components. <laughs> I don't know. It just um, didn't do it for me. I personally think, for me, the DS1 mod was a twofold thing. First of all, I found that the Made in Taiwan, the modern DS1 is worthless. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the biggest reason for that, honestly, isn't the tone of the pedal. The tone is like is bees, right, uh, which right. I'm not a fan of in general. But the biggest issue for me was that I felt like it got lost in a mix. Uh-huh. And and that had to do with the fact that like I didn't feel like I could dial in the volume well. And the biggest thing with the DS1 mod is it really boosts. It gives you a ton of headroom on the ton volume. of headroom, a lot of a lot of just straight volume on tap. Absolutely, that was the biggest improvement, really, 
because I used to have to dime the, that DS1 to make it cut yeah. through the mix. And honestly, like I realize they give you all, all of that range. I'm just... If I'm with v- just volume, if I'm getting much above, like 12 o'clock, I start getting nervous. Oh, totally. Um, which is... I mean, it's there. You should use oh, it. Oh, I, I run it's mine just, at, at 10 o'clock now. Yeah. Well, the D, the DS1 with the mod, like, that's how yeah. that's how hot it is. Yeah, totally. Um, but there's a lot of stuff there to experiment with. A lot of guys don't like the Keeley mod. A lot of people still feel like the DS1 overall is too compressed. Sure. No matter what you do to it. But I did feel like with the Keeley mod, it was less compressed. And I think it's a very good... Uh, for if you do the mod yourself, you buy a used DS1, you're looking at maybe $45 total investment. Uh-huh. Um, and for $45, like, it's a fun experience. I actually yeah. enjoyed doing the mods. And you're not ruining anything you can't replace. You're not, you're not, exactly. You're not ruining anything you can't replace. Um, and for 45 mods, I, or for 45 bucks, I don't know if there's, a better mid gain over or mid gain distortion pedal on the market. Probably not. They're probably. I mean, Joyo's probably got something. Probably, but it probably sounds just like a stock DS one. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't keep that thing on my board a lot, but every now and then I get that you know that craving to do like a '90s style heavy distortion, and that's my go-to. I'll take whatever other drive section I have off my board and I'll throw it in there, and I'll just chugga chugga for a while. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Steve has gone to the bathroom and abandoned me here. What am I going to talk about while while you're gone, Steve? <laughs> he wants me to pause it. I think it's more interesting if I keep talking, though. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, get yourself a DS1. Take some parts out of it. Put some parts back in it. You know, like, uh, I've, always, I've heard some people talk about uh, modding the uh, the the metal zone, and what I've heard people say is that the more components you take out of the metal zone pedal, the better it sounds. And I've been kind of itching to get my hands on a metal zone off a of Craigslist. If I can get one, kind of in the in the thirty twenty five dollar range, I might do it and just start trying to pull like components out of the drive section on it, just to see if that's true. And if I ruin it, then I've ruined it. How are you doing in there, Steve? Uh, you know, it's coming out. Steve says it's coming out. He's in the bathroom. This is what happens when Steve drinks two beers in one podcast. This is a first, guys. No, it's not. (laughs) He's coming back. He's coming back to the mic. I missed the very last thing he said. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't... Oh, I said this is a first. No, it's not. It's not. But the last time uh, Tyak was on with us... Yeah. Dude, we were talking about recording at Salvage today. It's so freaking hot. Is it? Would it have been hot out there? I think so. Dude, it was like 85 degrees. But it's dry. It's dry, so, you know, it's cooler at night. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Probably, well... It would have been comfortable. I don't even when I when I got here it was eighty degrees. Yeah, and some more people are like, oh, eighty degrees isn't that hot? I I don't know. I don't like dry heat. Yeah, I don't deal well. We've with been it. running the humi- humidifier at night. I was giving my uh, my sister some crap. My sister's in North Carolina. Apparently, they're gonna have a cold spell. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's gonna be like minus ten next oh, week. Oh, rough. And my dad's like, you need to be careful because you have no idea what that's like. Yeah. And my sister and I have both been in like. 10 degree weather yeah or like even like close to zero like maybe like five degree uh-huh 
but I guess like minus ten is a whole different ball game, and he's like, you don't already don't know how to dress yourself for that weather. <laughs> she, it's been an issue with her with her like because we're West Coast people, sure. and she's in North Carolina now. Um, you know we. It's just it's something it takes like at least a winter I think to get yeah. to figure out how to dress. Southern Californians are not prepared for anything below uh, fifty degrees. No, freeing below fifty degrees. I mean, in fifty degrees, like in that range, you start to get sketchy. I would say you're you're layering light sweaters. So here's here's the thing. Here's okay. So this is the San Diego weather. From like anything below like fifty to sixty five degrees is where you see like the mini skirts and Uggs start coming out. Where it's like all these girls that are like, I'm so cold. I need Uggs, uh-huh. but I'm not so cold that I can't wear a mini skirt. Right. Right. I, and then, like, below 50, it's like, what do you do? Basically, I've got a pea coat for any time it drops below 45, which hasn't happened to me this year. <laughs> I have two pea coats that basically only get worn, like, once every three years. Right. And then I say once every three years, so it means only one of them gets worn every three years. And then the other one, well, the other one is this massive corduroy thing. Yeah. I have a heavy, really heavy coat that I wear when I travel to somewhere cold. <laughs> How often is that? Uh, you know, like once a year or something like that. What is this? Anthony Bourdain's podcast? I know, right? Does he have a podcast? Probably. All right. I hope so. I should listen to it. Um. So, yeah, going back to the actual topic... The DS1 is a really common pedal to mod. There's a lot of mods out there for it. Uh-huh. The ones that I've seen are all pretty easy. The layout is is pretty straightforward. It's pretty so wide open in there, right? It's pretty easy to get into and like just start ripping stuff out and doing uh-huh. whatever you want. One of the uh, things that's on Instructables for the DS1 is also a circuit bending mod, okay. which I've been wanting to do for a long time. I've just never... Uh, really gotten around to it, uh-huh. uh, but that circuit bending is something where you just start making sounds that your pedal was not designed to make. You break it till it's great. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of other pedals out there that people do mods on. Uh, the DD5. There's a high cut mod, so you have like less of a digital sound. Uh-huh. Um. There are people who do mods on like a lot of this SMT, SMD stuff. Uh-huh. I was looking at the uh, carbon copy recently, and there's like some mods to do uh, to make it so it's tap tempo friendly. Interesting. Um, it's a it's a whole thing. It's a topic for another podcast. Sure, really. sure. Um, but yeah, just there's a whole world of mods. But the thing, the I mean, two- most of most of these uh, higher end pedal builders all got their start doing mods. Yeah, so it's like um, it's kind of like your entry to, entry to see if you're interested in the pedal world is to seeing how competent you are. Yeah, doing these mods. I started doing the DS1 mod to kind of build up my uh, my confidence in just building pedals. Uh-huh. Um, and I've built a couple pedals, neither of which work. <laughs> Uh, but, and I haven't really had the, I mean, I say I haven't had the opportunity. I built these things like two or three years ago uh-huh. and it's just something we're in a condo because you can't leave stuff out. Right. It's you hard. don't have a workspace. I, it's, you can't have a week long project. You have three hours. Right. Uh, but you know, it, it's something where 
because of because of my experience building those DS ones. Um, even though I had those failed failed pedals, I built that blender for you, uh-huh. uh, which worked. And then it didn't work, but I think it works now again. I don't remember. I think I had some weirdness with I it. I put it in the bigger case, and you never complained about it. But yeah, I'd need to mess around with it again. Um, soon. and uh, you know, I'm I I'm ready to do whatever the next pedal is. I'm looking at trying to look at some of the uh, Emerson EM drive clubs. Yeah, the M drive. We were talking about those. Um, might that be might fun. be something fun to do, and I want to. Get the parts to do that, so I can teach uh, Ryan how to do some, yeah, some pedal building, just some real introductory stuff. That's like an eight component overdrive, um, really simple. Uh huh. I'm so, looking forward to that. Definitely, like the DS one's a good entry point though, because it's something where you can compare the two and you can kind of like just see what the difference is uh, between the two. Sure. So, and like I said, what are you going to ruin? A twenty five dollar pedal? Exactly. At the worst, like you're gonna waste some of your own life. Yeah. Um, and then you, if you do ruin it, you can make a really cool video of you smashing it with a bat or a hammer. Who posted the one where the somebody posted? It was on one of the group, groups that group, were on. Somebody smashing a DS one with a hammer. Yeah. I felt so bad. I felt bad, but I also felt kind of good watching it. <laughs> I, got, I got a little bit of a sick fascination out of it. A little like a sick thrill. No. Oh. Yeah. Hey, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Steve. Yeah. Well, what? actually, actually, it was Valentine's Day last well, on Saturday. Well, we're recording the day before Valentine's yeah, Friday. Day. You guys gonna go see uh, Fifty Shades of Grey tomorrow? No. <laughs> so romantic. If I'm gonna, if we haven't been to the theater since the baby was born, if we're gonna go watch a movie, it's gonna be something that we actually want to watch. What I think the big uh, interesting thing is gonna be is. I think Fifty Shades of Grey will be number one this weekend. Uh huh. But next weekend will, I think, be the interesting showdown. Though a lot of people don't like Kevin Costner, so it will be hard. What is he in? Is uh, Fifty Shades of Grey versus McFarland USA? McFarland USA is the new Disney movie. It's about these. Uh, it's kind of. It's a sports movie, of course. Uh, but it's about uh, this guy who basically had a bunch of like migrant farmer kids uh-huh who apparently were really fast so he started a cross-country team at the high school that he worked at huh and it's like you know it's one of these inspirational sports stories sure, like, like mr holland's opus but not about music which would be more appropriate for our podcast <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Be- I'm singing this song because I ignored my kid and put my students ahead of my family. <laughs> hey, man, that movie made my dad cry. <laughs> I was sitting right next to him and watched my dad cry in the movie theater. Um, Dang. Do we want to talk about uh, how we're going to end this episode? We're going to end this episode with a song from Sean Corkery. Uh-huh. But not before we say thank you oh, that's to right. Nystrom Guitars. Yeah, thanks to Nystrom for uh, Nystrom Guitars for sponsoring this episode. If you're interested in sponsoring us, hit us up at 60cyclehumcast at gmail.com. Or if you have a topic or an ad or a song, hit us uh-huh. up at 60cyclehumcast yeah. at gmail.com. But if you're interested in investing in the podcast in any way and having some ad space, 
space. Uh, we have a few options. We want to send you our uh, our paperwork, basically. Yeah, we've got stuff we'll send you. We're not going to get into economics on, on no, the no. show. No, no. That's boring. Yeah, yeah. And not classy. No. And let's be honest. We're boring. We're boring and not classy. No, we're boring, but we are classy. I don't know about that. All right, <laughs> let's talk about the song. Thank you, Nystrom Guitars. Yes, we're thank looking, you so much. We are looking forward to that guitar showing up that yeah. we get to try out. We'll do like a bunch of demos with that thing, man. Oh, dude, I'm I'm really stoked. We need a f- I I need to start trying to find a bass company. Yeah, uh, to send us like a custom bass. You're an, our ambassador. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's talk about this song. Yeah, uh, this is from Sean Corkery. This is a lot of fun. Uh, it's kind of a bluegrassy. Uh-huh. And we said we were going to play on. a song from Sean a few weeks ago. And then we got sidetracked. Well, no, we didn't get sidetracked. I, I, I said that just, we were going to play it way too early because we had other had songs. You had no idea what the cue was. Yeah. For, for once in my life, I paid attention and was like, no. <laughs> Let's do this in order. Okay, this song is called Instrumental Number 4. I'd love to hear the other three. Because <laughs> <laughs> Number 4 sounds great. Yeah. This is a great song. Maybe it took four tries to get a great one. Yeah. Like we got halfway through this song, and I was like, this is like a perfect end of a episode song. Yeah. Like, it just feels right. For sure. I'm not saying that there are other songs on other episodes haven't been great. This one just feels like... It just feels right. We've had... I would I think all of our submissions have been great. Oh, absolutely. I'm not just blowing smoke. Like, I've been really excited that people send us songs. Uh-huh. Uh to play at the end and I it's something special that. about our show yeah I think it's I don't want to say it's something that only we're doing but as far as I know we're the only ones that do it we're the only ones doing it well Steve we're the best at what we do and <laughs> we're the only ones to do it if you know that reference other shows other shows do have musical elements where they have uh, submitted songs or they have like oh this is what we're listening to now you're going to listen to it but ours I think is the purest as far as user submitted music goes, sure, it's our listeners sending us stuff, and it's uh, sincere, and we play everything that we get. Yeah. So if you send, well, it to we play everything that we get right now because we're not getting a lot of stuff. If it gets to the point where we're getting more stuff than we can play, then that's just going to be how it is. Yeah. But we're going to still play a good cross section representation of what we get. We're not going to. We're fair- not going to cut out the things that are obviously home recordings. Yeah. We're going to keep that stuff. For sure. Um, so, yeah, this is from Sean Corkery. Thanks, Sean. Uh, you sent us an ad a couple episodes ago, and now we're playing your song. Congratulations. Uh, so, thank you so much. And um, I think that's it. That's it. See you guys so, next week. Again, thanks to Nystrom, and see you later.